Well, as we look this morning into the Scripture, how many are aware of uh, the Lord of the Rings series? Raise your hand. Uh, I made a, a um, mortal mistake. I loved the um, Lord of the Rings series. And my son, I think, was five years old when, um, when that came out. And can I just recommend to you, you not take a five-year-old to see Gollum? Okay? Apparently, and I found out like 10 years after the fact, my son didn't sleep for three straight days. And, uh, but now, you know what they say about your trauma, that your trauma turns into your laughter? No, nobody says that. But for my son, uh, he does this crazy good imitation of Gollum now. So you're going to have to ask him if you ever see him. Um, love that series. And that series, uh, as well as Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, these series were a magnification. They were a typology of the story of man and Christ. And, and so when you look at it that way, right, it, it, it really starts to explain and unfold our lives here in the midst of our dire circumstances or challenges and the redeeming factor of Christ coming. And there's a, just a beautiful scene. I lo- my favorite out of the trilogy is, by the way, the Hobbit series, that jumped the shark, okay? That was just horrible. They don't even bother. Um, but my favorite of the three of the trilogy was Return of the King. And so today our message is Return of the King. And you'll see why. Hopefully I haven't gotten too obscure with all of this, but you'll see why. And so this is a kingdom thing. And as we're in Acts 1, 6 through 11, we're going to break it down into three sections. You have sermon notes in your, uh, in your bulletin, and then you have life group notes on the back of those. So let me go into this, and you can look again in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, and let me give just a real quick background. We started this series last week, and Luke, who was part of the group that was traveling with the Apostle Paul, he wasn't an apostle himself, but he was a very learned man. He was a doctor, very intelligent. And I believe, as he's writing his gospel, which is the gospel of Luke, and then this second book, as he refers to it, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, he's writing to an individual named Theophilus. Now, I got approached by a couple people last week that were in the commentaries, and good for you for being in the commentaries. And, and there's an argument out there that this Theophilus name, it means lover of God, and it was like an everyman title. I, I don't really subscribe to that. I subscribe to kind of what, and by the way, this is speculation on my part. Nobody can really know. And so when it is speculation, people get to inject different ideas and different thoughts. But the reason that I think that it is a specific person is because of the way that he has written this book as an apologetic. It is written so that this person can know and understand. And he's talking, and at one point he says, my most excellent Theophilus. You would never put a title like that next to the everyman term. And so understand that as we're looking at this book, and as we start to unravel it, the reason that we are doing that now is that we have a new mission statement. We have a new vision statement, which, George, you started getting into the vision statement there. That was fantastic. I love it. It's it's kind of permeating his thinking. But we're in kind of this new venture. And with the new venture, what we want to see happen is God be the, the king of this church, of this church body that is preeminent, that God is the king of this church body. And so we want to go back and look at the early church. 
What was it like for the early church when they started the freshness, the uniqueness of the early church? So, as you have that background, let's get into the Word this morning, starting in Acts 1, starting in verse 6. So we're going to look at these first two verses. So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. So Jesus is at this point where He has been on the earth showing Himself, revealing Himself, still doing some miracles, but He's got a little bit different message. This is after the resurrection, and at this point in time when He's speaking, this is on the Mount of Olives, and He's ready to ascend into heaven. This is the picture. And so what are you going to say? Do you remember an individual that you cared for deeply that you knew this was the last moment that you would have to speak to them? Did you choose your words carefully? This is the last moment Jesus had with those He had poured His life into. So what does He choose to say? What do they choose to say? They know He's leaving. And so this doesn't fit with their expectations. Let's look at that this morning. You know, the church is a kingdom thing. It's a kingdom thing. And we don't talk in kingdoms. We inaugurated a president uh, this past week. We don't talk about kingdoms. And I think maybe there's a little bit of, of a, um, a missing out and an understanding of who God truly is because of how we live in this democracy here in the United States. If you look at my Facebook page, it says a lot of things under my profile but it says that I live under a theocracy. I live under a theocracy. So I love this idea of thinking about the kingdom. This was the message of Christ over and over and over. It's about the kingdom that He is creating because of His work that we might be what? We might be redeemed and we might have relationship with God and we might have eternal life. But there's so much to all that, right? It's like that infomercial, but wait, there's more, right? That's what the kingdom is like. Now right now, we're in a spiritual kingdom, and this is the problem. It was, it was unmet expectations for the disciples. In, in what way? Well, we have to start with this idea that it's His plan, and it's not ours. How many of you have already had your plan interrupted today? Okay? First of all, all of you should raise your hand. Because it was supposed to be, again, the storm of the century. Right? It's beautiful out. My expectation was we were going to have about 60, 65, 70 people in church today because of the storm of the century. Well, I got a pleasant surprise. But see, when we meet, when when we're frustrated or we're derailed, because of unmet or different expectations. That's where so much of our hurt, our confusion, our frustration comes in. And watch it unfold off the page for you. Now when you hear these words, they probably didn't mean much to you when you first started. So when they had come together, now they isn't just necessarily the apostles, but they're included. And where did they come together? They're on the Mount of Olives. 
And it includes Jesus Christ. And they asked Him, knowing this was probably the moment He was going to leave. He has been saying for over 40 days, probably better part of a year that He would be leaving. And they know the moment is here. And so what's on their minds? They say, what? Are you going to leave us some money so we can survive, right? Um, uh, when do you plan on making sure that uh, our bills are paid? Um, you know, we're communicating with my son a lot at, at college, and we're hearing about all these different interruptions and in expectations. And it can so derail us. And so the disciples are sitting here, and what's on their mind? Well, guess what? Their expectations are blown. Because Jesus was supposed to set up His kingdom. He wasn't supposed to leave. What did they give their lives to? What did they dedicate themselves to? And and it's evident. It says, Lord, will you at this time, uh, because we don't have a whole lot more time left. I got it. I got it, Jesus. Here we are. It's at the last moment. You're going to leave for a second. But at this time, does the kingdom actually come about? Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And what does he say? He said to them, yes, you've waited so long for this. I understand your expectation. And I understand being a loving God that if the kingdom of Israel is not restored, if you're not, if you're not freed from the persecution of, of Roman occupation, you're probably just going to leave me because you're so disappointed in the, in the end story. So yes, the kingdom is here. Oh, thanks for reminding me. Right? Have you ever been in that conversation? You're leaving, you're rushing out of the house, and the kids say something to you, or your husband or your wife, or somebody says something to you. And you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Can't you just see that in this moment? Uh, uh, Jesus, there's this thing called the kingdom. You were supposed to set it up. And you're leaving, and this is kind of awkward, but we'd like to just ask. And Jesus responds, Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. No. He says what? These are not pleasant words. These are direct words. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. Wow. Well, when it comes to His plan and not our plan, my encouragement to you is that we align with God. Philippians 2, 12-13 says this. In essence, paraphrased. You can go back and look it up. But it's saying this, for it is God that wills and works in you according to His purpose and His plan. Therefore, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Align with His plan. My wife and her family know this crazy chiropractor. Right? You guys got that? You got that story in your life? Right? Crazy chiropractor. And so they all wanted to, this was when we were living in LA, and, and so they wanted to come back up. He's in San Jose. And so it's an old craftsman house in San Jose. And that's his medical office. And people come from all over the world. And I'm hearing these stories about people who were crippled. They were in a wheelchair. They couldn't walk. And they came all the way from New Zealand. And because of his treatment, they stood up and they walked out of there. And I'm thinking, wow, I just want to see the snake oil work. You know, I, I don't even know that I need adjusting, but I want to watch this happen. I kid you not, you walk into this 
And it's like you're walking into Doc Brown's home from Back to the Future. It's just got the craziest stuff everywhere. And you think you've stepped back into medieval, I kid you not, medieval medicine. They usher you into this room that's got these folding chairs, and you sit down in these folding chairs, and there's a, a, a nurse that's about 80 years old. And she seats you, and then she walks back to a projector. This is the mid-90s, folks. She walks back to a projector, and she leans over, and her glasses go like this, and she goes, it's like Tim Conway, right? <laughs> and a film goes, and it's her in her 20s in the same room. I'm kidding you. It's scary. I thought I was in an episode of someone's going to come out with like a hacksaw or something, and, and, and it's all over. And so here's the doctor, and he's explaining how everything is manipulated from these two things up here, the axis and the praxis or something. I don't know what that is. And so I'm like, oh, look, there's the doctor. And, and so in walks the, do the doctor in real time, and it was Tim Conway with a walker. <laughs> you know, right? No. But almost that bad. Here's the great thing. When you pick a chiropractor, find one that's their spine is straight. Okay? That was not a good first impression. As I walk, and the guy's like this. And he's looking up at you and he's like, God, I'll fix it. You are good. Uh, yeah. Right? We go into his little shop of horrors called his examining room. And I kid you not, it is, the, <laughs> it is machinery from the industrial age. It is like a giant press that that's, weighs 3,000 pounds. And you lay down on this table, and I watched my friend get adjusted first. You lay down sideways, and then they take an x-ray of your neck, right? But he does it with mirrors and candles, right? He's got candles lit behind your neck or something. There's a lot of voodoo going on in this office. And, and, so I, and then I watch my friend get adjusted. And Cindy's like, come on, it's not that bad. She's been adjusted there. All those who've been adjusted by the wackadoo doctor, raise your hand. They're still walking, so something worked. I watch my friend lean down on the side, right? And they put this giant metal press to his neck. And then the doctor hits a button and 5,000 gigatons hits this guy's neck. And you just watch... It's like it got hit by a train and you're watching that slow-mo video of the crash test dummies. It just literally... <laughs> right? And I'm supposed to put myself under that kind of care. Now you're so lost, you're like, what was the point of that story? I'm a little lost too. But, but folks, <laughs> the idea is this simple. When you walk in there, you're like, no way. No way. But you're in so much pain because you're out of alignment. And you've spent days, weeks, months, maybe even years living out of alignment. And it may sound crazy. It may look crazy. But we all walked out of there in alignment. And the reason is, is because once that's aligned, the rest of the spine straightens out. And in our life, when it comes to expectations, if we wander around living by our own expectations, our own plans, we're going to experience a lot of hurt, frustration, and pain. What the disciples, what the apostles had to learn in this moment is that they needed to align with God's plan. Got it? And for us, we will save ourselves a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of problem. If what? If we align with God's plan. 
if we align with God's plan. So align with God. Next, His plan. We need to trust it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Does anybody know that Scripture? Has anybody memorized it? And lean not on your own. It was in stereo. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do you know that I just learned this this past week with the big political field going on that it was Ike that put in God we trust on our money and put um, the phrase about God in our Pledge of Allegiance or, or the Star Spring. No, it was the Pledge of Allegiance. It wasn't until recently that that happened. You know, a lot easier done or a lot easier said than done, isn't it? What is it in your life like the disciples? They're standing there. Now let me explain this. Let me give you some back history. When it came to the kingdom, Israel was waiting for the kingdom. It had been predicted. You can look in Isaiah. You can look in Ezekiel. You can look in Joel. You can look in in Zechariah. And what the coming of the Holy Spirit would be the ushering in of the Messianic kingdom. So, we have the advantage of knowing about the second coming of return of the king. They didn't. Understand, it made all the sense in the world to them that this was it. And you get to this awkward moment where he's leaving. He's leaving. And he has told them in the past, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And so they're trying to add up all the details. Folks, I get it. We come to church and we hear and we listen. We're trying to connect all the dots. But sometimes the expectation is this based off of what we have, but the next step is what? We're trying to align, but the next part is sometimes we just don't have all the details. And we've got to what? We've got to trust in God. We have to trust in God. Because if we want to live the, the rich life of the kingdom of God, then the process is aligning with the plan and then trusting in Him because every day is new. Every day is fresh. Every circumstance is challenging. But there was a beauty in what the disciples learned. Jesus says, I'm leaving. And by the way, you don't have the authority to dictate the plan. I've talked with several people this week that are so frustrated with God that they're ready to be done with Him. You know what their challenge is? Satan's gotten in their ear and convinced them that their expectations are the authoritative expectations. That's one of the easiest ways for us to get frustrated and to give up and to walk away. Don't buy into it. Because everybody I know, what, first I trust that the Word is true. Amen? But every time I've seen people do this, align with God and trust in Him. I have seen them thrive in the middle of the circumstances. Listen to these words. I want you to understand this. Kingdom living thrives in the face of circumstances. It doesn't change our circumstances necessarily. Your circumstances are your circumstances. We'll see in a moment how it worked out for these apostles. The idea is that when we align with God's plan and when we trust in Him, when we get into kingdom thinking, we're able to thrive in the midst of the circumstances. So let's start with expectation and let's align with that. So flexibility requires trust. And God is requiring of these apostles, be flexible. I know you expected this, but this is what's happening according to the Father's authority. Next, His plan. We are included and we will benefit. Hebrews 11. And I want to read this to you. Hebrews 11, because this is a great way to look at this. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. 
Now, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the different heroes of the faith, like Abraham, Daniel, Moses, Isaiah, Jacob, okay? And he says this, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Blown expectations. Have you been there? Have you been there with God that, hey, pastor said that if I just accepted Jesus Christ, my life would change radically. It would be perfect. No, your life is perfect. Where? In heaven. This place? This is a rental. And it needs a lot of fixing up. And the day's coming when the landlord is going to fix it permanently, but right now, we have to live in this squalor. So the question is, how then do you choose to live? And so these guys figured it out. Even though they didn't see what was promised, given to them, what did they do? Listen. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. When it comes to kingdom thinking, my friends, understand what we experience here is a spiritual kingdom. But there will be a great inauguration day. It's been prophesied. And when it comes to the prophecies of Jesus, they come true. And that prophecy says there will be a day where we will receive a new heaven. We will receive a new earth. There will no longer be sin. Satan will be bound. And this will be glorious. But not right now. So the kingdom in one sense, that inauguration day is still coming with the second return of the king. What about this kingdom? It's a spiritual kingdom. And let's look at how that breaks down. By the way, long-term, <clears throat> long-term returns are eternal with God's kingdom. All right? I just saw something that says you should invest in Netflix. Netflix stock went up how much? How much? Uh, it, it went up a lot. I just got the sign from the investor in our, in our church. It went up a lot. Um, it will never give the returns that we will receive doing God's plan. His expectations. Secondly, oh, I have a question for you. I have something to challenge you with. And as we move through that, understand this. Christ has called me to be part of something bigger. He's called me to be part of something bigger. It's His kingdom. But let me ask you this. Do you respect the King enough to trust His plan? I knew somebody in my youth ministry one time, it was the father of one of my students, and I would listen to him talk about other teachers or other believers, and he would say, well, I don't respect that person, so I'm not listening to him. I'm thinking, I think I'll step two steps to the left from where you're standing. But isn't that how we live often? You see, what Jesus is saying is it's not your authority to set down the expectations. The plan has been set down. Your challenge, disciples, your challenge, Conquered Bible Church, your challenge, believers, is to align with the, with the plan of Jesus Christ. The question is, do you respect the King enough to trust His plan? Let's move to the second point today. 
So we go here into verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Many of you know this verse. This is a huge missions verse, right? And so Carly and Holly did a great job. The worship band did a great job of bringing songs today. They really truly focus on this. Our plus one focus really truly gives a mechanism whereby we can go out and we can engage with those around us. We've got cards over here. A lot of opportunity to engage our Jerusalem or our Judea. And our church is sold out on this process and because it's what Christ asked us to do. It's His plan. And so we want to align with that. And so when we talk about the return of the King, we have this question of a power struggle. It's a power struggle. So if the instruction and the plan of the Father is that we would go and be His witnesses, and we'll get into what that means in just a second, then why do we fail to do this? Millions of people marched all over the world yesterday. It was an incredible, incredible movement. Now, I'm just so, you know, I know, I know there are those that are like, yes, he's very much for the big women's march. And I've got some in the room that are like, no, how can you participate and sign off and endorse that? I didn't endorse anything. I didn't promote anything. I just said there were millions around the world. And they were given a huge voice and they didn't vacillate one iota to say Many things. They were not silent. They were not silent. Does Christ expect His church to be silent? I hear a lot of silence. There was a symbiotic thing going on there that was not good. So Jesus' words lay out the plan for the church. This is fascinating. All right, Lord, if I have to realign my expectations for what the kingdom is with you, what does that mean? And so Jesus knows that people are going to ask that question. And so he says, apostles, those standing here, and maybe even to us in this room. So, the power of the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. Right? Carly and Holly took that message today and they brought it to Judea. We are your Judea today. All right? So let's look at this. He says, you'll receive power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been somewhere and your power went out? Best thing I can think of in these terms is when your phone is down to one bar. (laughs) Right? How are you when it comes to that, right? You have a little bit elevated blood pressure in those moments, don't you? Or you don't have Wi-Fi signal. Oh, the stupid phone, right? Why do we not get that way when we're lacking in the power of the Holy Spirit? To make a conscious choice every day to the promise that God has given us. Jesus gave us this promise. I will give you the Holy Spirit. And it's by His power you will be able to do things for the kingdom, in the kingdom, and of the kingdom that go way beyond what you can do. So this is the struggle. Whether or not we're going to tap into that power. You don't have it in you, or do you? On certain days, when we're struggling, maybe we're saying, I just don't have, have you ever said that? I just don't have it in me. We were taking down Christmas finally yesterday at my house. What? What are you laughing about? 
we're taking down Christmas, and we had to set up tables in the garage just to take down Christmas. We had to pull out the big barrels of, for the garbage just to take down Christmas. And it took like three and a half, four hours. And, and that project turned into, you know how it works, that project turned into 18 other projects. And I think around 2.30, what did I say, Janine? She's so good. She won't rat me out. I said, whew, I'm done. I don't have any more. I hit the wall. Have you ever, you know, right? Spiritually, we do this a lot. Every day, do you know that you have a resource of power that never tires out? that will always guide you to that which is good, which is great, which gives you the ability to rise above all things, rise above those circumstances, because that's what's promised in the spiritual kingdom right now. Jesus says, no, the kingdom's not happening right now under the Father's plan, but I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And so how's that translate? What's going to happen? You're going to speak. You're going to speak. The word here is witnesses. You will be my witnesses. That word in Greek is mar- it's the word martyr that we use in English. Now here's the crazy thing is that you've got this situation where we end up with a word that wasn't ever intended to mean martyr as we look at it. How did we get there? We got there through the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? Well, you're going to speak, you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what happened with the church in the first two centuries because of that power of the Holy Spirit? It proliferated to the utter ends of the earth. It is said that Thomas ended up in India. It is said that Mark ended up in Ethiopia. It is said that, that some of them may have gone as far as England. Wherever the Roman Empire was, and by the way, that's what is understood as to the utter ends of the earth, was the Roman Empire. They did it. These guys couldn't even hang out for the crucifixion before the Holy Spirit. Now, they spoke. They spoke, they spoke, they spoke about whom? They spoke about Jesus. And that's all that Jesus is asking for is that you speak about Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit do the power. Just share about who Jesus is in your life and what He's doing in your life and how it's affecting the kingdom in your world, in your life. Do you have a testimony of Jesus working in your life? Some of you are still contemplating that. Just speak. Wake up every day saying, Holy Spirit, Guide me somewhere where I can serve someone, I can love someone, I can be the church, I can fulfill your plan, your expectation, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, show me what I can do to be Christ to that person. Now, let God do the rest. Are any of you in this room and have relationship with Jesus Christ because God worked through somebody else to do that very thing? Raise your hand if you're here because of that. Amen. Amen. So you have the alignment. You have the plan. You have the power. You will speak with authority about Jesus Christ. You don't need to prove Him to anybody. You don't need to convince anybody. You need to just speak with authority and passion about what He's done in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then let the Holy Spirit's power do the work. 
by the way, you're going to succeed. Now, are you going to succeed in someone eventually coming and, and us being able to turn on the light? Maybe. But that wasn't the plan, was it? The plan is that you will be my witness. You will speak. That's the plan. And every time you speak about who Jesus Christ is around you, you have succeeded. You have succeeded. You will not fail at speaking when empowered by the Spirit. So here's my challenge to you. Look at this bottom question. Let the Spirit of God have control of your day, all day, and see what a difference it makes. See what a difference it makes in your life. Let's go to the last point today. Acts 1, 6-11, it says this, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. How many of us struggle a little bit with this idea of literally Jesus is going to come back in clouds and return? That's a little foreign to us, right? Is it as foreign as you being told today it's going to be the storm of the century and you wake up and it's, it's brilliantly sunny? Is it as foreign to me that, that we had 70 people in here last week because it was, it was a three-day weekend and we did nothing necessarily other than pray just for you in general, which we do every week, and this place is packed power of the Holy Spirit. It's His plan. It's His plan. What about in your own life? And so how does that affect you when it comes to the return of the King? Are you looking for the return of the King? I love that scene in the movie where Helm's Deep is done. Gimli's ready to saw off his beard, right? Legolas has one arrow left, right? Let's light a fire and sing Kumbaya in Elfish or whatever. And right when the breach happened, in the most desperate moment, what happened off to the side hill? On the third day, I will come. And here comes Gandalf. Gandalf the White. With this incredible light that just the presence of the light seems to render the orcs powerless. You think Tolkien was talking about Jesus there? Yeah. And they routed the evilness. They routed it. And in one moment, all those at Helm's Deep, they had resigned themselves to death. They were ready. Because they held true to the plan. They gave what they could. They did it in the power of of those around and through strong leadership. And when the moment came where they knew it was the darkest hour, they had resigned themselves to, well, maybe it's over. The plan was that the reinforcements were coming, but we've held out as long as we can, and all of a sudden, there He is with all the reinforcements. And it completely changed their focus. It invigorated them seeing the return of the king. Now, those of you who are purists know that it's not, Gandalf's not the king, it's Aragon, it happens later on. Get over it, okay? Just listen to my illustration. It's more beautiful. 
Are we waiting like that for our King? When He returns, it will be glorious. Now there's this thing about clouds. It's kind of crazy. Jesus stores Himself in a cloud. God, when He was on Sinai and Moses interacted with Him, He was in a what? He was in a cloud. Right? The pillar of fire was often understood to be this great glowing cloud of violence as well. Transfiguration. They're all in a what? A cloud. Jesus here in this moment in the ascension is taken away in a cloud and He's going to what? He's going to return according to prophecy, His own prophecy, in a cloud. So those of you who do all of your data keeping in the cloud, Jesus is very aware of all that you have because He lives in the cloud. You like that? That's for all you techies. So with this idea of the return of the King, there's a sense of loss. They know He's leaving. There's this sense of loss, but they have to trust Him. We can always face loss because why? We hold hope. Because we hold hope. Today, if you're facing a sense of loss and it's throwing you off alignment with God's plan, trust Him. Start over new and reset those expectations. The expectation should never be that your life is perfect here. Amen? God has... And you look at the New Testament church, you look at the early church, they suffered. But they suffered glorifying God and they wouldn't have it any other way. For the first time ever, Christianity made the top 12 list of persecuted groups in the world this year. Will we rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit? Will we look for the return of the King? Because that's what it means to be kingdom living and aligned with God and to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. A sense of comfort. We can rejoice by moving forward. I'm going to share something with you that I don't want to extrapolate out too far as we wrap up today. I've had the privilege of leading missions trips all over the world and I love it. And that's why I, one of the reasons we came here as I saw the missions budget, and this church has always been com committed to missions. There was a trip that I took in 2002, led, um, I think it was about 14 students to Hong Kong. And with this group, we had partnered with Youth for Christ over there, and I had done it in 2000. Hard work. Hard work. This was not your, your um, missions trip to Hawaii, right? Or Fiji, right? This was hard work. And it was during the typhoon season or monsoon season. So it's about 100 degrees every day with 100% humidity. And we're working. We're up at 6.30 in the morning and we don't finish till 10 o'clock at night. No breaks. Just constantly going. And on the seventh day, there's something biblical about that, we finally got to rest. After seven days, we finally got a break. So we did the tourist thing. And there in Hong Kong, we went to TGI Fridays. Yes, a little bit of home cooking. And we had a great time. Little bit of a challenge. That's why it's so important when you form a missions group, a missions team, that everybody's working in the same direction. We're all aligned and that we're all working under the power of the Spirit because you're going to face some huge, huge problems. And so there are two individuals I'd already had some brush-ups with. And they were just, they weren't, they weren't aligned. They weren't aligned. It was all about their world and their drama. And so we had to been dealing with that for a little bit. We get up to this tourist area. We go up to Victoria Peak, big tourist area on Hong Kong Island. I said, all right, guys, you got an hour and a half. 
but you have to be at the tram at such and such time. Because if we're not down this mountain and at the MTA, we miss and we're sleeping in the subway. Okay? And then there will be an international incident because I don't do well in, in subways. <laughs> so, comes time, I'm kind of walking around as I see some of my team members. I'm saying, hey, you know, head to the tram, head to the tram. Come across these two and I say, hey, we've got to head to the tram. And they literally smiled at me and said, we've got some other shops we still have to go to. We'll meet you there in a little bit. And I firmed up my very well-aligned back, according to 18th century medicine. And I said, you'll be at the tram in five minutes. And they looked at me and they said, we'll be at the tram when we're done. (laughs) That may not have been the word that crossed my mind at that moment. So the Holy Spirit removed me from that moment and just said, just go. Just go to the tram with the others. Get them on the tram. I'm standing in the line. I get everybody on the tram, and, and they're gone down except for these two. And I'm standing there, and I go into a Jonah pity party. You know what a Jonah pity party is? Just read the latter part of the book of Jonah. And it's, I have sacrificed for you, Jesus. I've, given, I've been away from my family, and they're probably starving, and the house is burnt down. And, and this is what I get. Are you not paying attention? If you struck him dead, it wouldn't really... Bo- no, it didn't go that far. Right? So I'm sitting there and I'm just so... I'm so tired. I'm frustrated. And I start going south fast about the whole kingdom thing. Like, what is the point? Why am I doing this? If this is what I face, why am I doing this? What is going on? Now, let me remind you, save you all walk out of here saying, this pastor's a racist. I'm just giving you the details. Now you're all like really focused. I'm just going to state the details. I'm in Hong Kong. And as I'm standing there, I'm surrounded by people whose hair color is probably what? Black. Okay? And the average height is probably about 5552. Now, I'm just telling you, that's the only way I survived on the subway. Is, is because I could, I could be above everybody else's head where the oxygen was. Because that's my one phobia, is being stuck in crowds in tight spots. And so it, it's just, you know, that's just who was around me, okay? Now I tell you that, and you're like, wow, I don't think I'm coming back to this church, and I've been here for 40 years. I tell you that so you see what's about to happen. I'm standing in that environment, and I'm complaining to the Lord in my heart and in my spirit, And all of a sudden I hear from my left in this deep voice, it's hard to be the leader, isn't it? I kid you not, I turn to my left and there standing to my left are two guys. 6566, shock blonde hair, tan. I mean, I thought it was Who's that romance novel guy? Fabio. Fabio. I kid you not, it was almost like Fabio standing there. So you get my point, right? And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, and and like deep blue piercing eyes, and I'm thinking, first of all, I'm thinking, where, how, what? And, And then I'm like, I'm thinking, how did he know what I was? 
And, and I say, yeah, you know what? But, and then I give my standard pastor answer. But you know what? It's okay. And then I'm sitting there. I'm like, wait a minute. How does that guy even know what I'm doing here? There's nobody around me from the team. That was the only thought that crossed my mind. I turned to my left. There's nobody there. There's nobody there. Now, Scripture says that we will entertain angels. And I know in that moment, the Lord sent messengers to mock me. Okay? Just be prepared for it. When we're having that attitude pity party, sometimes God has a sense of humor. And so He sends, sends what I, I know is an angel, and at least maybe He's not really there, but the Lord helped me see it. The Spirit helped me see it. He's just like saying, <clears throat> boy, isn't it hard being the leader? You're really suffering here in a, in, a, in a tourist zone. I turn around, there's nobody there. That wasn't good enough for me, so I asked the guy next to me, <laughs> literally, I asked this, do you speak English? And he said, yeah. I said, did you see some guys that were like six foot five with blonde? He just looking at me and just, just stopped talking to me. <laughs> when moments like that happen, brothers and sisters, it takes the circumstances and dissolves them. And all of a sudden, you're aligned with the kingdom. You're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you how much you're looking forward to the return of the King? You're looking forward to the return of the King. He gives you what you need in order that you might thrive with a purpose. And here's the closing point. We have to have a sense of purpose. We can be ready by fulfilling our heavenly purpose. What is that purpose? Well, He, he laid it out in Luke 12, 32-34. And I'll read that and then we'll be done today. He laid it out in, in many places, but I'll just read this one instance. And then in your life group notes, you're going to be able to continue in that thought and clarify it. So I encourage you, pick up those notes and go through them this week if you're not in a life group. He says this in, in verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief... A, <clears throat> no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is our purpose? Well, he gave the purpose to the disciples, didn't he? Go. Go. Speak about me. Don't do it in your power. Do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, which I'm going to give you in a moment. Right? And what did they do? Incredible thing. What were their circumstances? Horrific. Horrific. Brothers and sisters, what can we learn from the early church here? That if we align ourselves with God's plan, get off our expectations, get onto His, and then we stop struggling with power and we let the power of the Holy Spirit dictate our thinking, our lives, our choices, our passions, if we speak about Jesus, then we will see incredible things happen and we'll be able to thrive in the midst of our circumstances. Will we suffer? Folks, we're already suffering. By the way, we're not suffering half as bad as most around the world. So when I say we're suffering, it's kind of like I'm back at the tram line whining and complaining. But understand, the King's coming back. And when He comes back, what will you have ready for Him? What will you have ready for Him? 
And that's where you need to continue with this message today. You need to take that. And here's the question. We lose when we stop looking forward. We lose our power. We lose our purpose. We lose our opportunities. Be about the business of the King. The apostles realigned their expectations. They let the power of the Holy Spirit work through them. And they were able to do incredible things. And while almost all of them died a martyr's death, none of them recanted. And all of them went joyfully. It is said that Peter sang from his prison cell all the way to his crucifixion. Sang. I want to rise above my circumstances like that. I want to participate in the kingdom, the spiritual kingdom now. I want to be ready when my king returns. Amen? Amen. Amen.